to the Voice of Truth radio show. I'm your host, State Center Mike Azinger, accompanied by my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversee. We welcome you to the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. So on the Voice of Truth radio show, we'll be engaging in vigorous, robust discussion on culture, history, current events, all from a biblical perspective. Thursdays at 5 o'clock, Saturdays at 3, set uh, your alarm, whatever it takes to make it loud. L- listen to the Voice of Truth radio show. We podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. Um, and you can email us at vo- radio voice of truth at gmail.com. So, um, welcome to the show today. We appreciate you folks tuning in every week. Pastor, how you been? I'm doing well. I'm getting a little nervous, though. And again, I, I, I'm new to the area ish i mean it's two years now i should be two getting, years getting really. up to speed almost like in in january it'll be two years but it seems to me like like the leaves are falling early this year like i'm looking i'm looking i'm looking at my neighbor's yard Is, with trepidation thinking <laughs> that's gonna be my yard soon and he's got a he's got a big pile of leaves in his yard and I'm i thinking, think it's, oh man it, that happened i think it's uh i think it's because of no rainfall yeah we've had like zero it's been rain. dry and this happens it seems like the last several years, it's been it's it, you have the heavy rain in the spring, just a lot of rain. June, a lot of rain, and then it just dries up. Man. Seems like that's the pattern. Maybe it's been that pattern uh, forever here. I don't know. But it it is mid August almost. Mid August, and that's when it's hot and, and dry. Yeah, and you're getting uh, though at night, like late at night, when I walk my dog, and then early in the morning when I walk my dog, you get that little crispness in the air. You know that just. Just that tinge of fall where you're like, yeah. it's on the way. It's you can start smelling fall about August. Yeah, you, start you feeling can. It. You do. It's, it's close like, by. It's like it's football knocking on the door. Yeah, you know? man. Football. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> you know what? Uh, that's the thing about uh, critical race theory. We'll get into it later. It ruins everything it touches. Yeah. I yeah. can't. My wife is a rabid, diehard Penn State fan. She yeah. grew up up there. Her dad went to Penn State. She went to Penn State for her. I think a year or so, but um, she. We, we were just talking this morning before I came up here, and uh, oh yeah, I don't even watch football. She she's like all gung ho about America now. Yeah, and uh, what God, what's God gonna do in America? And that's <laughs> she, yeah. she's like a new woman. She is not the woman I married. <laughs> she is a uh, she, but she didn't care about politics. But she is into it now. And uh, but every Christian should be into it because God. Uh, is sovereign over all. Mm. He created government, didn't yeah. he? And he's going to do what he's going to do. Um, I just wonder sometimes if providence isn't pushing in a direction that um, we don't want, mm. but he's going to do anyway. Yeah. So that may be the case. If, uh, but our job is to to be a light in the darkness. That's right. Either way. Well, regardless of what God does or what He turns a, a nation over to. The ultimate purpose of him doing it is to reveal his truth. So his truth stands firm regardless of of what direction he goes in, whether it's judgment, whether it's mercy, whether it's grace. 
all of it is to reveal his truth. Hey, Amen. That is that's a great point, and uh, uh, he'll be glorified whatever way. Absolutely, and and we can always our, our job always is to point people to the Savior. That's what that's what the world needs is yeah. Jesus Christ, and not Republicans, not conservatives. I mean, you know. I believe in conservatism because it matches what the Bible says the most. Mm-hmm. But a lot of conservatives uh, are are way out there on marriage, yeah. and way out there on on uh, issues that every issue is important. The Bible speaks to every single little, little yeah. bitty thing. Truth envelops everything. It does. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we're uh, we're done with the Olympics. I, did, you know, Pastor, I could care less about the Olympics this year. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. There's a couple reasons why. It's because Listen. I didn't make it this year. You know, exactly. And uh, but you know, you should have because they needed an average guy in there to show how elite these athletes are. <laughs> you know, I mean, when when they're beating each other by a fraction of a second, it's kind of hard to get a perspective. But I mean. Let's say we put you out there with yeah. some of these swimmers yeah. or runners. Then yeah. we could get a as they're as they're lapping you for the twentieth time. We could be like, man, these guys are good. You, you can you're assuming I can uh, swim or run now. I can uh, I can do neither. All right, so here's the medal count uh, from you know. Look, I'm an American. I, I think we should win them all. I'm not for this. All uh, these poor little countries, let them win. So the USA has the most gold. Hey. By one over China, the Chinese wow. are communists. Let's beat the Chinese. Let's all right. Do it. Um, the silver count. We are uh, nine ahead of China. The bronze, we're almost double China. China's number two in everything. Then uh, the Republic of China, I guess that's Taiwan. Then Great Britain, Japan, Australia, Italy, and so on. But uh, we saw a lot in the news this Olympics about. Oh, about all these protesters, you know, kneeling these with the women's soccer team. Yeah. So Subway franchisees, this girl um, R- Rapino, Megan Rapino or Rapino, is that the soccer girl? That's the so- soccer girl. So Subway does something genius. They say, okay, let's take this um, protester who hates our country and let's make her our spokesman. Nice. That's really brilliant. But a lot of these franchisee owners are saying no not so fast we don't want her around we're hearing all this bad uh, press from it and, and i read somewhere where, where uh, subway has more franchises than even mcdonald's yeah i mean they're huge they're everywhere they're everywhere i don't you know obviously mcdonald's i'm sure i think they opened up one up. in the back of my house somewhere <laughs> probably back here by the dollar general yeah <laughs> they tend to be uh so uh there's pushback there at Subway, and um, uh, so get, and, and a lot of pushback on these kneelers. Yeah. Um, and then this this story I just saw: eight Olympic medalists who give glory to God. Hmm. And this is really cool. We were talking about um, right before we came on the air that uh, what, what country was it? The guys. Standing in a circle, oh, saying, uh, "I think it was Fiji or something like that." I can't. One of those. It, it was countries. some obscure. I mean, we a country we've heard of, but yeah. not a major nation uh, where God's doing something that we don't even know about. Right. And here are these guys in a circle singing. Um, we have overcome. Can by you the sing blood. that for us, please? I sang it so much already this morning <laughs> that my voice is a little hoarse. Okay, so thank you for sparing us of that. <laughs> so they were singing this. Um, I, I heard. I have yeah. it here too, but it was from 2016. 
But it was really, it was really cool. Uh, and God works in every nation. Sometimes we get so myopic, you know, we only see America. Mm. And, and uh, you know, God has a lot of country. These, these little nations where these, these people are, uh, these Christians are persecuted mm. and, and slain by the, uh, the Muslims or, or put in prison or, or uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I think God's heart's a lot closer to those Christians a lot of times than, than us. Who, they are in who fellowship are, with the sufferings, the Bible says. Yeah, there you go. Yep. We're supposed to do the same thing. All right, so eight Olympic medalists who give glory to God. I just want to go through these just real quick. Sydney McLaughlin, she is uh, a U.S. Olympian, won the gold for Team USA, 400-meter hurdles. Um, she also set the world the uh, world record for uh, some race, whatever. Those hurdles are no joke, by the way. Have you ever tried to jump a hurdle before? Yes, that was a long time ago. <laughs> A long time. They're no joke. They're, it's no, not easy. If, uh, they're unforgiving. After McLaughlin's <laughs> win, she said that it was made possible by, quote, just trusting the process and giving the glory to God. I pray my journey may be a clear depiction of submission and obedience to God, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't seem possible. So hmm. there is Sidney McLaughlin. Team USA, good for her. Standing up for Jesus Christ, and uh, in a in a solid way. So who, who we got next? Uh, Hedilian Diaz, Filipino, Olympic gold medal winner. After her victory in the women's fifty-five kilogram, fifty-five kilograms is that like a bo- size of a bottle of Pepsi? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. Huh? We'll check that out. Where's our? We got to talk in pounds and. <laughs> yeah, I don't like talking pounds. It reminds me of my <laughs> weight. Uh, so for weightlifting, this chick's a uh, little gal's a weightlifter. After Diaz's historical performance, she credited God with her success. Thank you, Lord. Was Diaz's immediate response after after winning? I thank God for having a team who is there fighting and working together. For one goal and one dream for the Philippines. So this little gal wrote that on her Instagram page after she won. Uh, good, good for her. Tajana Shoemaker made Olympic Games history after setting the new record for women's 200-meter breaststroke in Tokyo. Uh, she's from South Africa hmm. as opposed to North Africa. Yeah. Everyone thinks Africa is a country. Africa is a uh, continent, continent made up of many countries. Many countries, yes. Uh, I met somebody last night from Nigeria. The state of Africa. The state of Africa. <laughs> it is a continent. Despite the momentous occasion, the swimmer from South Africa gave all glory to God. She said, oh, let's see, beneath her green swimmer cap, we talked about her last week. Yeah, right? that's cool. Beneath her green swimming cap, Shoemaker wrote a white cap with with the words, wore a white cap with the words, Soli Deo Gloria, which means glory to God alone. Which is quite the statement itself because those swimmers, they don't want any extra weight or drag or anything on them, you know, and yeah. to wear an extra cap just to, to have that. Is would that pretty... be uh, like, would that would that uh, extra cap be in, in kilograms? Yeah, it was, a, it was a portion of a kilogram. It was, <laughs> it was 0.2 kilograms. Yeah, I read yeah. Let the games begin, she wrote on her Instagram before her performance. Father God, may your... May your will be done. May your peace fill us up. May we praise you no matter what the in, the outcome. May 
Uh, may we be empowered by your strength to give it our all, and may we forever be in the awe of your goodness. Thank you for bringing us to this very moment. Good for her. God bless her. And uh, these are these these uh, mostly gals here. Let's see if uh, I think there's a guy coming up here. I need some men. There's a guy uh, coming up here in a second. But uh, uh, so this little gal stood up for Jesus from South Africa. Caleb Dressel. She, he's an American swimmer. Won five gold medals. Did you wow, hear about him? I did not. You know, this used to be national. Mark Spitz, I still remember. Yeah, yeah. Mark Spitz growing up, he won seven. Yeah. He was the stud. Yeah. Uh, Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Jenner, he was was every boy's yeah. hero when I yeah. was a kid. Because yeah. he won all those goals. He was a man's man back mm-hmm. then. Uh, so here's Caleb Dressel. We don't hear anything about this. Well, I, I shouldn't say it. I didn't watch. But uh, he won five gold medals. Broke his world record by .05 seconds in the 100-meter butterfly. And uh, so he said, uh, but those who hope in the Lord will renew. He, he put Isaiah 40, 31. Hmm. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Um, you know, it would be interesting he, to he find, had, find out how many of these, because of their Olympic sport and then not being able to engage in maybe actual normal you know, school process. How many of them maybe were homeschooled? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had a tat. He had a this Bible verse tattooed on his shoulder. Really? <laughs> I'm gonna go do that. <laughs> well, know. what do you think? I think there's I, some yeah, room. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So that's Caleb. Caleb, God bless you for standing up for the Lord. Tamra. Mensa Stock, American Gold <laughs> Olympic wrestler. This gal's a wrestler. Now I got uh, my opinion on that, uh, but she was giddy about loving the U.S. Mm, we talked about her that. also, yeah. uh, and it feels amazing. She said, "I love representing the U.S. I love living here. I love it, and I'm so happy I get to represent the USA." It's by the grace of God I'm even able to move my feet. I just leave it in his hands, and I pray that all the practice my coaches put me through pays off and uh, so on. So she's giving glory to God. <clears throat> Kendra Harrison. Excuse me a second here. <clears throat> Kendra Kenny Harrison. She goes by K-E-N-I. Um, took home the silver. I'm the world record holder. I'm walking testimony. I'm walking testimony of how incredibly God truly is. Kelsey Plum, number seven basketball player, lifted up the USA women's three by three basketball team gold medal. Plum, thank God for her health and the opportunity to compete. I want to thank a lot of people: God, my mom, my fans, my friends. She probably thanked her basketball. Probably. Can you thank an inanimate object? You can. You, you can. can. And they appreciate it. I don't think it's efficacious, though. you got to get your pronouns right when you do it, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So one more, I think. Yeah. Eight, right? Eight. Athing Moo, 19-year-old U.S. runner. Athing Moo, M-U, is an Olympic gold medalist. Moo won the gold in the women's 800-meter race. As a follower of Christ, our main goal is to live in the image of Jesus in order to connect to God and get to God. How about that? Hmm. So there's eight people there. 
Mostly girls. We need some guys standing yeah. up. I think only one man in that whole thing. But that's still awesome. I mean, that's that's really neat to see. It's very exciting to see. I'm not. I've never been a huge Olympics fan, as far as like you know, just saturating myself in it and watching it. But we always kind of try to pick up on it a little bit, and we'll watch a few things, a few of the sports that we really like. But man, it was just so difficult to get into between there not being really any spectators there to cheer anybody on, and kind yeah. of the apocalyptic, you know, approach from the announcers many times because of everything that's going on in the in the world and then you know all the like we're probably going to talk about all of the critical race influence and woke stuff and it's showcasing all the you know gender issues and and so on it it was really hard to stomach overall but these are some bright points to it it was i you know i I didn't even watch but i read enough to where i thought i don't want to watch but the the greatest in my opinion the greatest sporting event in world history was a, an Olympic event when the American hockey yeah, team the miracle in 1980 beat the Russians. Yeah. I watched it. Did you? And it was a it was a miracle. It was the biggest event in the country. A bunch of college kids beat the greatest hockey team in the world. Yeah, who were commies. Yeah. it was a it was a uh, American flag versus the commies thing. Yeah, that was still the Cold War, <clears throat> kind of coming to the edges of the Cold War. But people hated the commies back then. And uh, now, uh, now the commies are coming into the country uh, vis-a-vis the uh, critical race theory. But it was an amazing event. And I got to – I got a friend who lives in upstate New York. and went to visit him probably, I don't know, 10 years ago. And we went to Lake Placid to the rink where it happened. Wow. It was just the coolest thing in the world. I bought a book uh, called uh, – uh, Miracle on Ice, I think, and a good book. Talks about the coach was amazing. He died uh, tragically in a car wa- a car wreck a number of years ago, but it was the leadership of this coach taking these guys with tons of talent. And 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 and, and by the way, the, the the game against the Russians wasn't the final. It wasn't the medal game. They had one more to go after that. Oh, but it was such a huge event. That everyone thinks, well, that was it. It, it was a, it was amazing to see, and they almost lost this, the 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 last one, but they came through. All right, we're going to talk about critical race theory next, and we're going to. Uh, I got an article that you folks will enjoy. Uh, it's about Vadi Bakum. I forgot to bring his book, but uh, he is he's got a book out called Fault Lines that I highly recommend. And uh, he's kind of the man on this right now, Pastor, in, in evangelical circles. And uh, he's a, a black man. He lives overseas now, but uh, he's a good man, smart man, and loves Jesus and is brave, very brave. So we'll talk about that when we get back. I don't want you to go away. Listen we, uh, listen up. This this critical race theory is everywhere. Everyone's talking about it now. I think about everybody knows about yeah. it now. Uh, so we need to understand its dangers, especially um, how it's going going to be ultimately after Christianity, because it is of the devil. It, yeah. is of, it is of the devil. You're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show with Mike Azinger and Pastor Brian Leversey. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, 
pa- you're the pastor. Yeah, well, what am I? Which am I? This is Switch Day. Switch. Day. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have Switch Day. My mother would get a switch, <laughs> and and uh, it's it's part of what made me the magnificent person I am yeah. today. What am I? Uh, I'm uh, Senator Mike Hazinger with Pastor Brian Leverson. There you, go. you don't want to be a senator. I do trust not. Me. And we are welcome you to our show. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to talk about critical race theory this segment, and it's going to be good. You're going to like it. Uh, you can't learn enough about this. Uh, that, that's one. I, 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 one of my complaints when I'm down at, at the Capitol during session is because of uh, the the prodigious amount of of just bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. You have to spend tons of time and effort learning about bureaucracy when you could be <laughs> using your brain for something that is of more importance and uh and that's that's part of the part of the problem with uh uh things like critical race theory you have to learn uh but that's that's the that's the nature of the battle so you uh but you have to spend a lot of time learning what the enemy's saying on this hmm. and uh, understand it from like we say a, a biblical perspective and you, you're going to be teaching on it here soon yeah. at, at fellowship and uh that's a great thing uh so here's uh, the, a lady named, I don't know how to say her first name, never have, but Ayan Hersi Ali. Some of you folks may have heard of her. She's a uh, a gal from Somalia and was treated just horribly by Islam, like all girls are in Islam. They're treated like uh, just chattel. And uh, she uh, she makes a couple good points in this article in, in Christian Post. She used to be in the Dutch Parliament. And uh, she's kind of got a worldwide name now, but she's a Somali-born human rights activist, best-selling author. She condemned critical race theory as divisive and the, quote, worst philosophy she has ever come across. Wow. End quote. And uh, she said she's a former uh, Muslim survivor of just their, their evils and former member of the Dutch parliament. She was on Fox News. And she said, uh, it divides us into people of different races, and it says—she's a black gal—and it says that these racial differences are irreconcilable. Yeah, that's the whole point of critical race theory. Yeah, you can't, you can't reconcile. They yeah. don't want reconcile. Yeah. They want reconciliation. war. They want war. They want revolution, yeah. and they want what Antifa's doing in the streets. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. Yeah. Um, so, well, lastly, she says it sees—, it sees no reconciliation, no coming together, unless the people that they describe as eternal victims, eternal victims, yeah. that's, that'd be a nice thing to be. Yeah, I'm a victim forever, mm-hmm. so pity me, give me, give me, give me, give me, and uh, I get special privileges. Uh, being a victim has its uh, advantages. So she said, again, it sees no reconciliation, no coming together, unless the people that they describe as eternal victims Black people, people of color, women, transgender people, unless they unite to destroy and dismantle our existing institutions, that is, America as founded, Mm -hmm. it's a very nihilistic, zero-sum game. It's the worst philosophy I've ever come across. So that's a good entry into into this article about, uh, uh, it's an interview with a guy named Vadi Bakum, who is a, he's a Southern Baptist guy, theologian, he's, uh, he writes, he's speaks a lot 
But he and a guy named a, new, a kid who's kind of new on the scene who also wrote a book named Owen Strachan, um, and they they uh, are at uh, at a forum at the Religious Broadcasters Convention in this article in, back in June, and down in Texas. Um, so I just wanted to. I'm going to feed these to you, Pastor. And you, we just come, yeah. comment as we go, but. Uh, mainly it's, it's Vadi Bauckham stuff, and he wrote a book called Fault Lines, which, as I said in the last segment, that uh, I, I highly recommend because he gives it from a biblical perspective. i got another book in front of me by Mark Levin called American Marxism that gives you great history on it. You're not going to get a biblical, biblical perspective from Le, Levin. Um, but the history is But the history is there. Yeah. It's very good. So what we're seeing is the practical collapse of evangelical confession of the f- sufficiency of Scripture. Mm-hmm. So critical race theory says, look, we got these problems here, but these are outside the scope of right. scri- uh, yeah. Scripture. Like, like, scripture can't handle like this. Like Scripture doesn't deal with creation and and mankind and how we're supposed to interact with each other and and how you know the different geographical regions developed like like the bible doesn't speak to any of that stuff you know like like it doesn't have any authority to weigh in and it doesn't have anything you know directive to say yeah poor poor god he just (laughs) he's lost he needs us to teach him critical race theory and that's the point yeah uh with the crt group people are trying to make christianity compatible with other systems it's just another attempt by our satanic enemy, the enemy. This is what I like. He says where it comes yeah. from. Vadi Bauckham says, look, it's our satanic enemy. That's where this is from. Um, to have Christians marry their Christianity with godlessness. So a lot, and, and there's a lot of Christians that are going woke. They're adopting this philosophy that uh, that that marries or that uh, that. that has the oppressors versus the oppressed, the Marxist paradigm, and it's all about race, and it it uh, creates the bad guy, the evil guy, which is the white people, and everyone else is the oppressed. And uh, obviously, we've had racial issues in, in this country that have not been handled well, but we did get it right. It was called the Civil War, and about 300,000 um, white men died for their their uh, uh, for slaves to be freed, we got to remember this. You know that that America is founded in Christianity that says love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't mm-hmm. say what color the neighbor is, right? Mm-hmm. What country the neighbor's from. You love your neighbor, everybody. That's mm-hmm. your neighbor's everybody. Anybody who needs you and and uh, uh, your brother in Christ can be from any mm-hmm. nation in the world, couldn't they? Absolutely. I mean, we're not talking about just because American there is Christians. no race, right? We, we're the human race, and God has made us all as as our our own American documents draw from Scripture to talk about how we're we're created equal. And um, you know, it's just a shame that we're not recognizing that this is really becoming a religion in the United States of America. That's what critical race theory is becoming, and they're they're really positioning social justice as the new gospel. And they're they're positioning these perpetual victims as the terminology was that this this lady used that you referenced. They're they're positioning that as the new martyrdom of the religion, and you know they're using uh, the cancel culture approach to uh, eliminate any other voices in the conversation. Uh, it's just it's a, it's a scary 
kind of approach to things. Yeah, and, and the cancel culture is 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 rooted in vengeance. Yeah, right. It's not a biblical. No. Uh, forgiveness is where we want to come from, and cancel culture is vengeance. It's about uh, it is about destroying. Over the last decade, according to Vadi Bakum, the church has become determined to quote show the world that we're acceptable or palatable. Hmm. That's what the church does. Yeah. A lot of uh, in America, we become consumed with being hip, mm-hmm. looking cool. You know, you see these TV preachers; they always are hip, looking mm-hmm. cool, and uh, they just want to show how how you know connected they are to to the world, not necessarily not necessarily to Christ. And Vakum says, "We're not the fundamentalist mouth breathers that you've heard about." That's what we want to say. They want to make sure, like, hey, we're not the old guys. We're right. not the old the old timers that would preach on uh, on hellfire and damnation and and all that uh, all that stuff. Uh, the body of Christ simply cannot marry world ideology, ideologies with Christianity. Uh, Owen Strachan said, but it's in quote instinct that is very prevalent today. End quote. There is an antithesis between Christianity. And every system. Hmm. There is a fundamental gap. Strachan, who is also a research professor of theology at Grace Bible Theological Seminary, stressed that he said, when Jesus comes into the world in his incarnation, he is not of the world. He is God of God. He, he's come down to be salt and light. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he's God of the harvest. There is hmm. nothing that he is not sovereign over, and he can handle uh, any issue. We don't need a Marxist theolo- yeah. uh, philosophy to, to try to fix something, uh, especially since, as this article says later, uh, Marxism, critical race theory, um, and, and, and this is just true, critical race theory in a different name uh, was, was responsible for 100 million people and probably uh, 100 million people dying, hmm. probably a billion people being put into misery vis-a-vis the, the communist nations mm-hmm. who adopted this philosophy. Look, this is all it is. The communism of the 20th century was about class. Mm-hmm. The oppressed were the, uh, were the rich people, the, the landowners, and the, uh, the oppressees, the, the, uh, the, sorry, the oppressors were the landowners. The oppressed were, were everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that's how they, they fed this poison into these, uh, into these nations and into the countrysides and, and, uh, and so on. And, and it's a Marxist paradigm. And that's what we're seeing today with critical race theory. But it's not class, it's race. Mm-hmm. And it's going to pit everyone against the other, cause, and, uh, cause revolution. And, and really what it's going to boil down to is it's going to be viewpoints next. Because that's really what, what this is going to. It's, it's, it's going to anybody who disagrees with what they're trying to push as the mainstream view, the worldview that exists. And so they're using race right now, but they're, I think they're also going to use emergency type situations in the future. You know, we see these things with, with the pandemic. We see things with, hey, this is how we should do things to care for other people. If you don't do these things and you must not care for other people, you're now the enemy. And there's a whole other now issue with the oppressee and the oppressor and here's the person who will do this because we have a pandemic and here's the person who won't do this because we have a pandemic and Mm -hmm. now now we've got two more fractions that we're able to put against each other and and anything that doesn't line up with the the world philosophy ideology i think we're going to see this this strong uh, almost hatred against 
any of that kind of viewpoint. And, and I think it's a very dangerous situation to get into. Well, your, your point about, uh, yeah, it, it, I think that's, I think that is a, uh, a prescient observation. Many opponents have noted that the ideology uses Marxist tax, Text of class struggle. That's what we talk about the oppressor and the the oppressed. And I, I would I, I I'd like to think this through sometime. And obviously this there's a, a biblical principle that addresses this, or or some kind of biblical example, uh, probably from the Old Testament somewhere, where the oppressor oppressed paradigm started. Yeah. Obviously, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Um. You Cain, know, maybe it was in the Garden of Eden. Maybe Cain maybe. Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, Abel, Abel. Well, his friends called him that. <laughs> yeah, to, to his closest friends. Cain and Abel. I mean, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve said, "Hast thou God? Hast God said, 'You're the you're the uh, you're yeah. the oppressed'? Yeah. Adam and Eve. Or, or God's how, the oppressor. Or how about when it boiled down to when sin happened, and uh, and here's Adam saying, "It's the woman you gave me." And what's, what's wrong with that? And, and then it's the woman saying, "It's the serpent that you made." Well, so. Oppressor, oppressed. Yep. That would, I think, it would go back to the Garden of yeah. Eden. Yeah, it's it's I one of the original the, the lies of the devil. Said, the serpent said to Eve, "Look, you're you're being oppressed. Yeah. God's the oppressor. You're the victim. You're the victim. Yeah. That's exactly what it yep. is." Yeah. Let's write a book. Yeah. All right, folks, we got we got to go write a book, and we'll be back. <laughs> many oppressors, many oppressors, many opponents have noted that the ideology uses Marxist Marxist tactics of class struggle to divide people among race, gender, and ethnicity. Critical theory, which first arose in ap- academic journals three, dec- three decades ago, this is this is uh, new in its in this form. So three three decades decades ago, some law professors at Harvard or students, I forget which, came up with this. Yeah. Now, like we said, there's nothing new under the sun, but this is uh, it's been around a lot of years, but it's just starting to get traction. It was. Mm-hmm. It never took hold. Yeah. And the reason I think it's taking hold now is because America is slipping further and further away from God and Scripture. Well, I think the reason it's taking hold now is because nothing makes sense. We, we've gotten to the point where we don't know up from down. We don't know right from wrong. We don't know boys from girls. And when you're in that kind of an environment where nothing makes sense, then even something that comes in that, that before, maybe a generation ago or two generations ago, that would have been dismissed on its face as ludicrous, now is embraced because people have no moral compass anymore to draw from, to, to find what truth right, is. Right, and Everything's that, upside down. And so, that, goes back, that goes back to Scripture. When, when Americans were taught the Word of God and taught truth, then you understand. Then you have then you understanding. Know, there's a light, you know, the— the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, right? So, so you remove the word of God from schools. You basically remove the word of God from pulpits, honestly, hmm. where people aren't. I mean, they're just getting kind of the surface Joel truth. Type well, stuff. yeah, you Sugar. know, feel good, do good, think good, positive reinforcement. Hmm. You know, all this stuff, but you're not really getting the nuts and bolts of of truth. You know that God is ordained from the foundation of the earth. And so you've got no moral compass to draw from. Everybody's doing that which is right in their own eyes. Um, nothing makes sense. I mean, we really live in the twilight zone. Don't you f- hear the music when you walk out your front door? I mean, it's kind of do-do-do-do everywhere right. you go. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. Um, so, so, yeah, critical race theory comes in, fills this vacuum. You know, and, and you don't have 
you know, Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. If you don't have wisdom, how do you, if you don't that? read Scripture, you don't have wisdom. Yeah. If you don't have wisdom, you cannot discern Can't. when, when uh, philosophies like this come about. It's, it's, uh, sometimes I scratch my head and think, how are people falling for this? But, but it's very subtle. Well, there's deception in it, right? There's, because it makes yes. you feel good because it seems to want to support social justice issues or, or things that would be um, fair to others. But their arguments about what is fair draw from that which is evil. I mean, they're 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 trying to they're trying to promote the most evil poor part of of the human heart in order to prop up their arguments for critical race theory. And that's why it's so divisive is because they are essentially promoting racism through the process. Yeah, they are and they're cloaking it uh they're cloaking it like uh, as you said in um in in the righteousness of being against Racism, right? Okay, so we understand that we're against racism, but we're not against racism because the Marxists say so. We're against racism because Jesus said to love your neighbor That's as right. yourself. That's, That's why right. we're against yep. racism. We don't need uh, we don't need Marxists teaching mm-hmm. us theology. Yeah, and when the world starts to teach you theology, you need to take run. real close look. <laughs> run, <clears throat> you need to run to run to scripture. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Good article by uh, uh, by Christian Post about Vadi Bakum, or uh, with Vadi Bakum and uh, Owen Strachan, I think is how you say his last name. But uh, there's a lot more in here, but we're going to move on to the next se- segment here. And uh, let me make sure I got everything. It's called Vadi Bakum, Owen Strachan, Urge Church to Combat Morally Bankrupt Woke Ideologies. So we're, we're going to be on critical race theory for a long, long time, I think, just because we need to. And it's the— Well, it's not going away anytime It's soon. the existential threat to America right now. Right now. No, it's not going away. So uh, when we come back, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be good. <laughs> I, gotta, I believe you. i got a stack of stuff here. So stay tuned. we got more coming your way in the next segment. You're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show with Mike Azinger and Brian Leversey. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. This is Mike Azinger with Pastor Brian Leversey, and we are glad to be here. Hope you are glad to be where you are listening to the Voice of Truth show. We appreciate you tuning in. We just had a good conversation on uh, critical race theory. And um, the first segment, we talked about the Olympics in the first segment. Yeah. I talked about my career in, uh, as an Olympian. Uh, <laughs> I think I won like three gold medals. I can't remember. I can't remember what I won them in. I think was one was Cheerios eating I think contest. You get, like the pace car of the Olympics. Pace it's like, car. You're like the standard. Like I don't, you don't get a you don't get a medal for that. See, you don't <laughs> no. know about. Oh, Olympics. okay. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk a little bit uh, just about basic uh, uh, cornucopia smorgasbord stuff here in the last uh, this third segment. Then we're going to we're going to do our our etiquette segment. Don't worry, folks. We haven't forgotten. We're going to do that. And uh, that'll be our last one. So here's a great story from uh, Todd Starnes, strong law and order Republican makes runoff for Seattle city attorney. Wow. See, and I know some things about Seattle because when we were church planting, we were doing, you know, some studies on the least churched areas in our nation and always that Pacific Northwest area expressly 
Washington, Seattle always ranks like in the very top of <laughs> like godlessness. Like people well, don't go to church. There are very few churches. It's yeah, the, the blue states church. are unchurched areas, right? Yeah. They, that's where the yeah. gospel isn't preached. Yeah. That's, that, I mean, that's, everything comes down. If you take down a map to, and you overlay yeah. it, that seems to be true. Right. If you learn scripture, <laughs> if you learn scripture, you're going to be pro life. If you understand scripture, you're going to be pro gun. You're yeah. going to be pro marriage. You're going to understand the marriage paradigm that God wants us to understand. And you can take, like we've said before, you can take every issue and understand what the Bible says about it and then vote that way. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. So this is in Seattle. Seattle uh, went eight percent for Trump. So (laughs) (laughs) so no Republicans going to win in Seattle, except but God. Yeah. Um, So this is actually from Newsmax and results that drew notice nationwide and left jaws hanging throughout Washington State. A hanging jaw is uh, a slack jaw. Did you know that? It is. Yeah. This is true. Republican Ann Davison on Friday secured one of the two positions in the runoff for city attorney of Seattle. Wow. Now, this gal, she's a moderate Republican. She's not conservative on social issues. But she said, look, law and order. And people in Seattle said, oh, good. She doesn't want our homes and businesses to burn down. I'll vote for her. So in Seattle, 8% for Trump, Davison, who drew 33% in the the initial voting last week, there's three of them. So she got a third, a Republican in Seattle, got a third of the vote, will now face Democrat and self-styled abolitionist Nicole Thomas Kennedy in November. So it's these two. Hmm. This gal got 35%. Pete Holmes, this is the story right here. Pete Holmes, the incumbent city attorney for 12 years, he's the incumbent, placed third in the vote last week and was eliminated. Wow. He was the guy who said, oh, gee, our buildings are burning down. Wonder if I could, uh, hopefully they don't burn that one down so I can have a place to get coffee in the morning or whatever. And the voter said, uh-uh, nope. Nope, we don't want this. You don't get another chance at that. So I would say that uh, this this Republican gal who said, I want law and order, has a real shot. Yeah. Because people, by nature, were made in the image of God, and uh, God said, let everything be done in uh, decency and order. It's amazing how quick truth comes to the surface when your business is burning down. Yeah. yeah reality yeah. sets in. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, I always thought rea- uh, wisdom... Wisdom comes when you bump head on into reality. Right. right? So um, anyway, great, great story. It's something to watch up in Seattle. Um, you know, look, I, I'm a Republican, but half the time I can, I can't stand Republicans either. <laughs> but this gal is up there, and she's saying, she's saying, uh, law and order. Enough is cut enough. this stuff out. Yeah. Um, all right. So this is a hot topic here, but. I just wanted to address it because, you know what, Disney, uh, all these other channels on TV, these kids' channels, mm-hmm. I think Nickelodeon, yeah. everyone's putting a happy face on gay marriage, on homosexuality, yeah. on LGBT. Happy, happy, happy. Highest suicide rates in the country are within the LGBT community. Yeah. And, and, and letting, letting not addressing them and confronting them in love 
is is an awful thing. Yeah. So here's a guy who wrote uh, uh, wrote it anonymously. He uh, he titled it, or it's titled, "I Hated Growing Up with Gay Parents." Hmm. Whoa. That's it. Now this isn't the first article I've read uh, like this. I've read a number of articles hmm. of kids who grew up with two moms, which means you don't have a dad, right. or two dads, which means you never got to have a mom, uh, and said they hated it. Yeah. Okay, so it's unnatural. So they're not all of them don't like it. All right. of them hate it, but only so many will come out and say it. So the guy starts out and says, "Right away, I want to make something clear. I'm not a homophobe. My sister is gay." So he had a sister raised mm-hmm. in that same, uh, and she turned out a homosexual. That's right. not a surprise. Right. Uh, many of my friends are gay. If anything, even though I'm straight, having gay parents made me more comfortable with the people in the LGBT scene. It never really hit me that my family was different from most others until the third grade when the bullying started. Because these kids bullied this boy because they found out he had two moms, and they by nature knew there's something not right about that. Word spread around the class that I had two moms, and before I knew it, I was being taunted for it on the playground. At this time, my relationship with my parents, his two moms, was still happy and loving, so I shrugged the Shrugged the remarks off. When puberty hit, though, I became increasingly aware of the hole in my life where I wanted a father. Hmm. Granted, my relationship with my parents was already souring at this point for a variety of other factors. Still, I yearned for a male role model, someone to talk to about guy things. My parents had no male friends and only ever seemed to talk about males uh, disparagingly. I would hear that men were inherently more violent, selfish, unhealthy, and I began to believe them. Growing up in the environment that I did, I emerged with more feminine tendencies and a deficit of traditional masculine attitudes. How's a boy going to grow up to be a man if he doesn't have a man to watch, right? It didn't help that I was homeschooled for the majority of middle school, leaving me without a basis for what most guys my age behaved or looked like. I I didn't have any contact with male relatives either, my parents both cut off their families from my life. Mm-hmm. That's not natural. Yeah. A normal, a, a normal uh, partnership with a mother and father in marriage ordained by God would not cut off all the other family. Mm-hmm. Right? The nature is to try to get along and, and keep the family together. But in this situation, because it's not a godly situation, these two moms said, oh, everyone away. Because they might say something about how we're living. I returned to public schooling for high school, but I found myself intimidated by most of my straight male peers. I eventually learned to talk like them and dress like them. In other words, he learned to act act like a boy, talk like a boy. He said, but I never learned to be truly comfortable around them. Wow. To be fair, my parents were extremists. Let me skip over here, skip around here a little bit. At the at around the age of twelve, I began to understand more about the implications of my conception. My mother carried me through artificial insemination from an anonymous sperm donor. He said, "Being without a named father has put me into something of a perpetual existential crisis." Hmm. He doesn't know who his dad is. He doesn't know his dad's name. He doesn't know what his dad's face looks like. He's never touched his dad, felt his dad, and his dad is not even ever mentioned. Hmm. He's saying, like every boy, every girl, little girl would say, where's my daddy? Hmm. Or if it's two dads, where's my mama? Right? 
So, um, I will never know half of my biology, half of where I came from, and why I exist. I feel robbed of an experience afforded to nearly everyone else in the world. The worst part is I feel utterly alone in this state of being. Hmm. Orphans and adoptees are entitled to want to know their biological parents, and they receive support for that desire. Children who have uh, deceased or vacant fathers at least have their mother's memory to go off of, pictures, stories, a name even. I will always have nothing. Yeah. And never felt supported for wanting more. Whenever I would bring up these feelings to my parents, they would be dismissed as pointless and ungrateful. I was told I was simply lucky to be born. So he grows up. He says, I spent my years, my teenage years, envious of my friends with fathers. So yeah. there's a, there's another perspective. There's a perspective of a, a boy who becomes a man with mm. living with uh, two gay moms, two yeah. in a, a home that's that is not the ordained paradigm of of what God commands. And this is a, speaks to that fallacy that people have of, hey, this is my decision. It doesn't impact other people. Well, sin always impacts other people. Sin always impacts, you know, your kids, your 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 spouse, your your community. You can't rob people of their identity and not expect it to have implications down the road. That's right. That's right. All right, so how are we doing on time here? So what we're going to do is, let me just real quick, <clears throat> we got a few minutes. This is a, uh, <clears throat> this is a story I came across. Uh, Intellectual Takeout is a Hillsdale guy who started this, this website. Some great writing in hmm. this. Um, actually, uh, I was going to use another story of theirs, but this is a guy named Lawrence Reed. So I'm just, <laughs> just a couple paragraphs. The title of the article is The Worst Emperor of Ancient Rome. Who is it? So he says Caligula. Now, I'm not an expert on Roman emperors, so I don't know what he did worse than the others. But I do want to tell you and assure you, Americans and uh, folks of uh, our listeners at Voice of Truth, that things have been bad before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I started reading history in college, it, it got depressing to me, and I thought to myself, the world is made up of nothing but warmongers and whoremongers. Yeah. That's, that it's is what we got. Without Jesus Christ, uh, okay, let me just give you an example. There's this emperor named Elagabalus. Uh, so that probably was the root. <laughs> <laughs> he was mad about his so name. So his dad said, I'm going to name you uh, Elagabalus. Uh, so he said, okay, that ticks me off. Why did you? Yeah, exactly. It's like my, my name is Sue, Johnny Castle. <laughs> then there's the absolute nutcase whose name was Elagabalus. There's two quick paragraphs here. This is stunning. Uh, Elagabalus sounds like the sound you'd make if you tried to say oh, anyways. So British historian Edward Gibbon said that Elagabalus abandoned himself to the grossest pleasures and ungoverned fury. Uh, then another historian said the name Elagabalus is branded in history above all others on account of his unspeakably disgusting life. Wow. So just imagine what he did. If you know history at all or the nature of man at all, you know what kind of things that he was um, very likely involved in. This being a family-friendly website, the author says, I won't even begin to describe what he did, but I can tell you this much. Listen to this. He did it all in the space of four years as emperor before his lamented assassination 
at the tender age of 18. Wow. How about that? So from the time he was, you know, one of the things that really, uh, you know, the, there's, the Bible's full of things that are very clear, very easy, but there's some things that aren't always as easy for me to understand anyway. Mm-hmm. And one of them is children in the Bible that become demon-possessed. Yeah. And it does happen. I mean, uh, over and over in Scripture, you see where Jesus casts a demon. I say over and over a number of times yeah. in the Gospels. Jesus casts a demon out of a young person mm-hmm. or even a child. Um, and so I, th- this boy at a young age, maybe he became demon-possessed. He was so evil at the age of 14 yeah. that it, it it's past comprehension in uh, a, a, a Christian so-called society like America where you see that happen. But but there's always been evil. There always will be evil until until Jesus comes again. And there was evil in Rome, so they yes. had it bad back then. You're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. We'll be back, uh, Pastor, here in just a minute with our etiquette session. I'm going to teach you folks how to sit up straight and all that. <laughs> Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show, the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state with State Senator Mike Azinger, Pastor Brian Leversey, pastors at Fellowship Baptist Church in Vienna, <laughs> and uh, stop on by, hear good preaching at Fellowship Baptist Church, e- even when you're in the pulpit. I mean, <laughs> Every once in a while, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. So. <laughs> How do you know if a, blind, a squirrel's blind? I mean, was he bumping into trees? Was yes. he running in the street? Yes. The blind squirrels are the dead ones, I think, for the ones in the middle of the street. <laughs> Smash. Yep. All right, so we got rules to teach your son. <clears throat> this is our current list. We're on number 21. We'll have we'll get a uh, we'll get a list of rules rules to teach your daughters. I don't think daughters need taught. I think they're like they're innately just polite, right? <laughs> they are. <laughs> uh, all right. So number twenty one. Thank a veteran, then make it up to him. Huh. Thank a veteran. So I think we've become good about that in America. Yeah. Thanking a veteran, my boy. I think especially in this area, you know, I think yes. the culture here tends to really appreciate. The sacrifice. Yeah. A lot of West Virginians have served in, mm-hmm. in wars. My, my, my boy, we just sent him off 10, 12 days ago to the Army, mm. and uh, he called us. My, I, was, I was telling you about it, uh, uh, but uh, asking you to pray since you're my pastor, and uh, my wife's just having a hard time, hard, yeah. t- hard time when he first left. Golly. It was hard. It was tough. And I don't think that everyone has a harder time as we did. I don't know why we just did. Hmm. And so we're driving back. We've had to go out of town the last two weekends because I'm taking my daughter to church camp in Pennsylvania. And so we've been out of town the last two weekends. And uh, we're driving back last week, and my son calls. Hmm. He's, a, he's at base camp, and he's about to start that night. He said, well, he was in his uniform, and it just was really cool. And my wife felt so much better, and I did too. And, and golf was good. That's good. And, uh, uh, so we love the military. We love the military. I, I, one of my regrets in life is that I never joined hmm. the military. Uh, one of the 
uh, great things about Americans. I never did join the military. <laughs> the country was way better off. <laughs> Number 17, never be afraid to ask out the best-looking girl in the room. We did that, yep, didn't we? we did. Number 18, never turn down a breath mint. Hey, I've got, you know, I've got a stack of them right here, and you haven't asked for one yet. Are you waiting for me to offer and, this? And, and you haven't offered one, so I'm thinking uh, it's a I, I'm doing pretty good. Tic Tac's not even my favorite. Can you hear that, yeah. Hey, what I don't understand is where they started to do like different flavored Tic Tacs because they don't help your breath. Like when you've got the berry ones or the whatever yeah. ones, I mean, it's like, uh, it doesn't help. It's all superficial. <laughs> it right? is. It's, it's just sugar. It's just another. Trying to make yourself look good. You yeah. Up. Never turn down a breath, breath mint. Number 19, a sport coat is worth a thousand words. Well, oh, I'm sorry. Wrong. Well, we did that, did that last week. Yeah. Uh, eat, uh, thank you, veteran. Eat lunch with the new kid. Hey, that's a good. I've always, always taught my kids to look for the person that doesn't look like they have anybody around them and go up and at least say hi to them. Yeah, me you too. Uh, look, look out for the for the kid who's yep. who's being left out, um, doesn't have friends. You know, always, yep. always be a friend to 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 the loner. Yeah, and the Lord will bless that. Eat lunch with a new kid. After writing an angry email, read it carefully, then delete it. Lincoln did that. Lincoln yeah. would write. A uh, mean, nasty letter in re- in reply, and then in the next morning, throw it in the trash. Yeah, it's not good. I've learned this. It's not good to reply immediately to no. to a mean a mean. And email. also, instead of gossiping to other people, you know, in the moment, write it down first, read yeah. it, and then don't tell anybody. There you go. That's good. <laughs> Ask your mom to play. She won't let you win. Hey, what do you think I think that there's one? probably some truth in that. <laughs> I think it's uh, dads. I don't know. Dude, are dads more prone to let you win? To a certain point, yeah. Like I'd cream my son now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I never let him win. What are you talking about? <laughs> Number twenty-five, and lastly for this week, manners maketh the man. Hmm. Good manners. Yep. All the way around. Go a long way. Go for it. Thanks for tuning in today, folks, to the Voice of Truth radio show. This is Mike Gazinger with Pastor Brian Leversey. We appreciate you tuning in, and we will see you next week. God bless you. I will choose to live.